This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. Today is the eve of the Lunar New Year, celebrated by Chinese communities around the world. In China, this is also known as the Spring Festival, which is the most important holiday event on the calendar. This week also marks the start of the Beijing Winter Olympics, which is taking place amid a zero-COVID policy approach in China. Joining me on the show today to give us some insight into what's happening on the ground in the run-up to these two major events in China is Caroline Khan, a journalist based in Beijing. Hi, Caroline. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks for inviting me to the program. So the last time we spoke was back in February 2020. And back then, the world was still in the early throes of the pandemic, uh, and China was in the spotlight as the first epicenter of the COVID-19 outbreak. How would you contrast the situation today with two years ago? Yeah, I think the last time we talked was uh, when COVID first started and the the whole world's attention was on China. Um, So at that time, like, of course, like, everyone isn't like new virus and nobody know what to do with it now after two years like as we have seen globally like um so much has have changed the virus spread to so many countries and the vaccine we are already in the process of getting like the the boosters like the third dose in many countries so it's the same like in china um yeah, I think the, uh, the 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 rate of population who got uh, vaccinated is quite high now, um, but the government hasn't really uh, the government doesn't have any plan yet to 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 make the restriction loose than than it has been uh, using in the past two years. So that says the zero COVID policy is still. Uh, in China, and which is like implemented quite strictly, anyone who comes uh, from abroad need to do like at least two weeks of quarantine. But I would say like in practice, most cities would require a three weeks quarantine. And then after that will be one, one extra week observation at home. And whenever you see or you hear a case, found in any city like people get quite nervous and the cities where over 10 million people live there will be some lockdowns of the whole city and mass testing of the whole population in those cities so which is quite different from most countries in the world like where especially many western countries where basically like there's no any restriction anymore all countries are going to announce no restrictions anymore Hmm. It's quite curious because back in uh, towards the end of 2020 and early 2021, uh, most of the world was watching China with envy because back then uh, China had appeared to manage to contain the spread of the virus. And um, a lot of the economic and social activities were being resumed um, with minimal fear of COVID, it seems, um, in contrast with other countries that were experiencing severe in- infection waves like in India or, or even Malaysia, what we're seeing with the Delta variant. China didn't really go through that, but I suppose the payoff for that was what you like what you mentioned. There were these restrictions in place if any infection was uh, detected. Yeah, exactly. So, like the cost of the uh, freedom, like the free travel, free activities. So, most of the cities, the cost of that is some cities where a few dozens of cases are found will be like 
put under this like super strict uh, uh, lockdown. And when China has a lockdown, is well, it's quite different from the kind of lockdown that European countries, so the the US, has been using. Like it's like a real lockdown that doesn't allow anyone to like get out of their house or get out of their like community and everyone is closely traced wherever they their whereabouts and where they have been to and the close uh, connection with any potential cases well would mean that you will be put into like a quarantine hotel and and that is very strict so that is a cost of china's uh, uh covid zero policy but I have to say that uh, most of the time when we read news, it is about like some lockdowns or how strict those policies are. But at the same time, the other side of the story is uh, the majority of cities, the majority of population basically could enjoy a quite free uh, lifestyle. That means they can get together with no risk at all of getting COVID. They have like go to a concert, go to watch films, of course, like this kind of things being resumed in, for example, in the U.S., but that is like a very different approach. Like China's approach is, okay, we lock down those cities and people who got COVID, and then the rest of people can enjoy this kind of freedom. And in that sense, how, how do the Chinese public view these, uh, these restrictions then and the zero COVID policy that's being implemented? Are they generally in favor of this? Is, is this trade-off like a, a fair one to, to the people in China? That's a very interesting question because, like, uh, I think if you read uh, comments on social media and whenever well, there's a lo- lockdown, like people living in the city will complain a lot, of course, because their life being interrupted and uh, like all the inconveniences um, that are experienced by only by the people in that city but people outside the city like generally they approve and they agree with this kind of approach because they think this is the best way to ensure their safety and ensure that people the senior people and sick people will be protected the best yeah i think like in many issues like it's like it depends on who you are and what kind (laughs) of situation you are in like everyone wants to live a kind of life that is convenient that is free and at the same time without any risk but unfortunately like yeah there has to be some trade-off can i ask how uniform are the um covid measures across the different regions in china in terms of health measures in terms of what they're supposed to do are they similar across different regions there is the national level restrictions on policies uh take an example like if you want to travel across the border then when you come back there's a national level like uh, policy saying you have to do this like 14 days quarantine and there's a plus line line basically saying when you return to your hometown and it's up to the hometown to follow up what to do and then because like China right now there the government officials especially the like the local government officials they are under this very big pressure you know like when the central government's policies like COVID zero. That means anyone whose province or city there are some COVID cases, that would mean the people, the officials are working in that province or city will probably end up in with big troubles. That's to avoid that kind of trouble punishment. 
even even if it's nothing to do with officials like fraud or like just just because it happened, it happened, it happens, and you cannot see the virus spreading. To avoid that troubles, when the policy like filtered down to the local government, they always get much, much more strict than the central government, like 14 days quarantine. And for example, right now it's the Chinese New Year. A lot of people want to go uh, back to their to their hometown to spend a festival with their family. The central government has a rule that you cannot stop people from returning hometown. But when you look at how it's being implemented, you will see like a lot of impossibles for the traveling because most people have only a few days of holidays. But when you go back, they would ask you to spend like 14 days in a hotel quarantine. That basically means like your holidays ruined. So instead, this uh, lot of people not not travel traveling back home. I see. Okay. So so at at the moment, this Lunar New Year is not is definitely not as festive as it was pre pandemic. Yeah, that that is for sure. Like I mean, it has been what well, is basically been the third uh, spring festival. Uh, interrupted by the by, by COVID, and I think this year is not easier than last year or even two years ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how would you rate the level of fatigue that people have about um, about COVID nineteen um, procedures still in place? Is there a lot of I don't know grumbling or or just dissatisfaction, or are are people mostly resigned to it that this is just the way it is right now and and we'll get through this. Yeah, I think it's again like depends on who you are and what kind of situation you are in, right? I know a lot of Chinese people living abroad or who really need to travel abroad to meet their family or for work's reason. I think they have a lot of complaints over the, the, the policy right now. But if you really like talk to people living inside China who doesn't need to go to other countries or other regions, I mean, like, they are quite satisfied with the current COVID-0 policy because, first of all, they don't really need to travel abroad. And, I mean, to open the border only means, like, it brings more risk to them. Uh, Yeah, but they don't really gain as much. Yeah, maybe for most people, it's like, well, it is how it is. And, like, yeah, I think people think if there is, this kind of policy right now that means like it is needed well from the perspective of the government and either at some point it might be changed but like nobody knows when mm-hmm. i'm speaking to caroline khan a journalist based in beijing when we come back we'll discuss the beijing winter olympics and also examine china's efforts to deliver a clean and green games stay tuned bfm 89.9 Hello, you're listening to Pressing Matters on The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mukhtar, and with me on the show today is Caroline Khan, a journalist based in Beijing. Now, the Winter Olympics are arguably the most unusual games being held um, for a number of reasons. And they will begin uh, this week on February 4th. One of the reasons is, of course, it's being held during the pandemic. And uh, China is putting in place much stricter measures than Japan did for the Summer Olympics last year. Uh, How is public support for the Games? Because we saw significant public dissatisfaction over the Tokyo Games from the Japanese population. Is there a similar pushback in China? Uh, I think something very different from like uh, the Games in uh, 2008 is that 
like there's much much less uh public publicity of the game to the general public. Uh, and one reason is 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 during the time of Chinese New Year and. Uh, most of people's attention will be on the festival rather than the winter games, but of course it's also because of the pandemic. That means there's no audience uh, allowed to buy the tickets to 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 watch the games. Yeah, and also like if the pandemic means that the general atmosphere to welcome some game is uh, not as um, as much as. The year two thousand eight, and also at that time, it was、uh, the first time when China hosts the Olympic Games, and the publicity started. I would say, like, started like years before it, the game started. It's like I remember at that time I was in、um, primary school. I think <laughs> <laughs> I remember it was the biggest thing ever that happened to us. So like everyone was so enthusiastic about learning English. And at the time, you see, like when you walk in the street of Beijing, you would see like all the aunties and uncles. They would try their best to learn English and try to talk to、uh, foreigners, and they try to like the government of telling them like, oh, when you encounter any foreigner, like what should you do? How can you help them? But this year, I mean, like yeah, China already hosted one summer game. And it was、uh, considered to be very, very successful, and so this time it just feels not as much attention as last time. And also, like winter games, like in China for a long time, the winter sport is not as、uh, popular as you know the, the 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 sports like in the summer games. I see. So it can be said the atmosphere ahead of the Winter Olympics is more indifferent, especially compared to the two thousand eight Summer Games. Now you write about environment and climate, and you've been reporting on how these issues intersect with the Winter Olympics. Beijing isn't typically known for its snowy weather, so these games are unusual in that it will rely on a hundred percent artificial snow. How is this being done? I mean, like, yeah, they use a lot of snow guns to、uh, create artificial snow using the water. I think this region where Beijing and Zhangjiakou, Zhangjiakou is a co-host of the、uh, Winter Games.、Um, this region is quite dry and is quite kind of like famous for being dry, and、uh, it has a, a, a big problem of like scarcity of underground water. For a long time, like expert environmentalists were worried that the game, if use all artificial snow, that means you will use a lot of underground water that will be further worsen the、uh, environmental stress in this region. But the government said that, well, I don't know, like if they said is like a hundred percent not from the underground water, but the government said. They will use as little underground water as possible. Instead, they build up the you know water tanks to collect、uh, rain and other waters, and to use the water from the tanks, and also to use water from reservoirs. But I think that generally also means no matter what water they use, the water if you don't use the water to create snow, that the water can go back to the natural system. In a way, like no matter what kind of water you use, you are still Using the water, and another concern is、um, the the power used in creating the snow. We can be very power intensive. And China's response is、uh, the all the snow 
made will be using uh, clean energy, so mainly um, wind power uh, generated from the wind farms in that region. And this is, of course, like just from the government, and it's very hard to really know the details of the technology, but that is uh, China's claims. Right. I, I guess another thing that I was wondering is how how sustainable would it be to build a winter destination in a place that's not really known for heavy snow? Because it sounds to me like they'll they will be ha- they'll have to keep making snow if they want to ensure tourism uh, continues in the region, for example, because of snow activities. Um, is that kind of what's expected after the games end? If you look at like China's government's plan for the snow industry and the winter game industry, China is quite ambitious to develop the, the winter sports and the skiing resorts will be one of the uh, ambitions here. And this region it has its advantage. If we put aside the environmental uh, concerns, the advantage like why China choose uh, Zhang Jiakou, this region, is because it's so close to Beijing and Winter Games is still a relatively niche uh, sports in China. It's like maybe like a, a middle class or above middle class activity. Like um, it also combines with holidays, right? So like there will be other regions in China that would be make more sense to develop the winter sports like in northern, far, far northern areas of, of China. But that means like a very long distance to Beijing or Shanghai, the, the, the mega cities. So like the region is kind of a compromise that China choose this region because it's so close to Beijing and it only, only take like 30 minutes or even less uh, to travel by fast train from China's capital. So that means like you have, can guarantee that there will be people going to the, the skiing resorts every year. So China's ambition is really to develop this industry. And that means, yes, after Olympic Games, China will want more and more people to come to this region to participate in the uh, Winter Games. So, yeah, I think the longer a longer concern is like how really sustainable this will be. And uh, if we zoom out this question, this problem, like, to look at, that means when the government has a policy to, to boost this industry, to boost this sector, that means there will be other cities, maybe even, even less suitable for the games, will also want to participate in it to get a share of the benefit of the um, financial, the economic benefits from the industry. Does it mean like in the future we can also ski in the tropical cities and that happens like what does it mean to the world's like environment and the climate change all right so there are long-term trends to watch coming out of these games and how that impacts how um, china policy dictates what it does with its environment um, in the different regions China did set the goal of making these games the first carbon neutral Olympics. I mean, the games haven't started yet, so we I mean, we don't know what the outcome will be, but how how do you think this will be measured? If what kind of indicators are going to be looked at to see whether this actually happens? I mean, like when China says it wants the Olympic Games to be environmental friendly and using renewable energy, I personally I don't have that many doubts in terms of achieving it because China is very good at 
doing, you know, like in the Chinese language, it's like to use a collective power, collective manpower, or or the wealth, or the uh, the ability to create something, to achieve something. So I have no doubt that China can do that because, like, if you look at China is a big country with such a big population, and the Olympic region, the place to hold the games, is such a tiny bit of the country. And if China say we want to do it, yes, I think it can do it. But I think the question is like, how can this kind of efforts, the clean energy approach, how can the impact be beyond the Olympic Games and to benefiting more cities, more people? Rather than just stay in the Olympic bubble, if China can, for example, uh, like use uh, use some of the technology, use some of the efforts to expand to more cities, I think that would be one of the best things that will happen to the, the Beijing Winter Olympic Games. So yeah, of course, like we um, there's still time to watch how this will be played out, but. Uh, yeah, I think that 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 is one of the things I'm most uh, interested to see. I look forward to having further conversations with you to see how this uh, unfolds after the games. Caroline, thank you very much for speaking with me today. Gongsi, bye Thank you so much. Happy Happy Lunar New Year. I've been speaking to Caroline Khan, a Beijing-based journalist. This has been pressing matters on the morning run. Stay tuned for the 10 a.m. news bulletin coming up next. BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.